0: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we call out to you. We call out to you, Holy Spirit, because unless you work in us to give us eyes to see, we'll miss Jesus. And Jesus, we call out to you because we don't want to miss you. We want you to open our eyes, the eyes of faith by which we would see you in Scripture and in turning to you, we would receive life. And Father, you sent the Son together with the Spirit to give us life forever with you. And so we pray that you would be at work. And that Father, you would be glorified together with the Son through the Holy Spirit. Work in and through Strider in our midst this morning. Help us see Jesus. For we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. How are we doing this morning? Good? Awesome. Hey, good
1: news. Uh, This year, we've been walking through the book of Genesis and learning some incredible things. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 tell us some amazing news. Mostly this, that you and I were created for a person and a place. The person, God the Father, literally walking with man in this unbelievable garden. Literally paradise. Everything is good and perfect And this relationship between God and people is unbelievable. But the picture in Genesis 1 and 2 does not match what you and I experience today. And that begs a question. And the question is this. What happened? And that's what we talked about last week. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about this week. Because we opened up to Genesis chapter 3. And we read that Satan comes in the form of a serpent and begins tempting Eve. He does so by questioning, is God good? And can what he says really be trusted? And Eve, in her mind, begins to doubt that and reaches up and takes from the only tree in the garden in which God said, don't eat that fruit. She looks at it finds it desirable, takes and eats, and then hands it to her husband, Adam, who's seemingly been standing there the whole time. And when they do that, scripture says that their eyes are opened, and now they know good and evil. And the consequence for that is death. Physical death, spiritual death, eternal death. And last week when we left off our story, the picture that we are left with is Adam and Eve hiding from God, covered in fig leaves, covered in their shame. And shame is such a powerful emotion. Hey, let's uh, let's do this this morning. I think this will be fun. Um, Turn to your neighbor. In just a second, I want you to ask him a question. The question is this. What is the most shameful thing you've ever done? I'll let you figure out who wants to go first, but you guys can do a little sharing. And uh, in just a second, we'll come back together and keep on. I'm just kidding. I don't really want you to do that. But, (laughs) yes, thank you, Buggums. But even in the midst of asking that question, like, don't you just... Cringe at the thought. I don't know if something came to mind. I don't know if it was something that you thought about. How can I share this with another person? But doesn't everything in you want to hide from one another? That's what Adam and Eve are experiencing. I'm not going to make you answer that question, but I'll answer the question myself. I'll tell you the time, the earliest time in my life, when I can remember experiencing a deep sense of shame. And it happened when I was a freshman in high school. My, uh, my friend group and I, in high school, uh, started collecting uh, this Star Wars card game. And it was more than just trading cards. You could actually play uh, a game. And the purpose of the game was to take your cards, literally cardboard, and you play a game with them, and you're trying to beat your opponent who's uh, sitting across from you. But there was only one problem. We love these cards, but there was no store in our town that sold them. So we had a bright idea. Let's look on the Internet to see if there's anything that might solve our problem. And we, when we started searching the internet, we found that there were trade forums where you could post, I have this card, and I'm looking for this card, would you like to swap? So I've got a Luke Skywalker, I'm looking for a Darth Vader, and somebody else could go, well, I've got a Darth Vader, I'm looking for a Luke Skywalker, would you like to trade? And then you'd package up your cards, put them in an envelope, and you could trade cards with anyone in the country. And all of a sudden, the options were limitless. And so my buddies and I, we started posting on these forums and swapping cards, and that went on for a couple weeks and got a couple cards, and then I had a genius idea. I said to myself, why in the world would I actually hold up my end of the bargain? Why don't I just start posting and see if people will send me their cards and I'll just hold on to mine? Because the Strider was more crafty than any other high school boy (laughs) in the land. And so I made these posts and they were a little bit outlandish, like, I have this valuable card and I'm looking for this, you know, card that's worth half the value of the one I'm willing to trade, wouldn't anybody like to trade? All of a sudden people started blowing up my inbox, yes, I'd like to trade, I'd be glad to make that trade. Okay, great, let's send, let's, you know, I'll send on Wednesday. You send on Wednesday, cool, okay, good, yep, they would send me their card and I wouldn't send them anything in return. Envelopes started showing up at my house, and I did not want my, my mom to get wise to what was happening, and so I recruited my friend Jeff Lambert, who also played this game, and I said, Jeff, could I send some of these packages to your house? They'll have my name on them, but that way my mom is, checks the mail you know, at noon, and I'm still in school, she won't know that I'm receiving so many of these packages. And he goes, absolutely. That's what good friends do, right? Like, they're in it with you. So packages started showing up at, to Jeff's house, and then he would bring them to school and be like, dog, you got this envelope. And we'd open it up and be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I got this Star Destroyer. Um, super nerdy, I know. But, like, it just was what we were into. And that went on, actually, for a couple of months. And, um, and then one day that all changed. Because one day, my mom picked me up from school, like she normally does, and uh, we get in the car, and she, as soon as she starts driving, she goes, huh, funny thing happened today. I got a letter in the mail. It was addressed to me from this guy in Texas I'd never heard of. And I opened up the letter, and the letter said, dear Mrs. Stokes, I'm writing to inform you, because I don't think that you're aware of this, that your son has been ripping people off through these trade forums. And I'd also like to make you aware of the fact, because I don't know if you know this as well, that what he's doing is called mail fraud. And that's a felony offense. And so I just would like for you to know that this is what's happening. She tells me this and she goes, I brought the letter with me. Would you like to read it? No, I would not like to read it. (laughs) But I take the letter, because it's just me and her in the car, and I read it, and it says exactly what she says. And this, this is not the moment where I felt the most shame. It was what my mom said next. She said, I don't have no idea what this guy is talking about, because I know that this can't be you. And it was one of those things, you know when somebody says something to you and you know it's not reverse psychology? Like, they really believe it. Like, my mom really believed this about me. And all I could do was just shrink to the side of the car. Like, there are not enough fig leaves in the world to cover what I felt when my mom said that. And I confessed. I said, Mom, it's, it's true. And I couldn't even look at her. But out of the corner of my eye, I don't know if you've ever done this or had this experience before, but you can just, that person doesn't even have to say anything. But you know that trust has been broken. My mom's body posture changed. She's driving her car, but all of a sudden, she just changes. And our relationship is fractured. Now it's restored. I love my mom. She loves me. But in that moment, our trust, her trust for me is just splintered. There were consequences to my actions because my mom is a good mom. She wanted me to know, hey, felony offenses are are kind of a serious deal. 15-year-old. So here's what you're going to do you're going to send back every card that you stole from people. And in addition to that, you're going to send them a card from your own collection for all the trouble that you caused them. Yes, ma'am. And you're not allowed to use the computer anymore. Yes, ma'am. The consequences of my choices led to a few things. A broken relationship with my mom. I had zero cards left after I mailed back every, everything that I had stolen, plus one. I didn't have access to a computer and because of that my interests changed. My actions resulted in these consequences and these consequences changed everything. And that is what we read in Genesis chapter 3 because the decisions that Adam and Eve made changed everything. If you have a Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter 3 We're going to look at verses 14 through 24 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can just follow along with us on the screen. But we'd love for you to have your own eyeballs on God's word. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman... And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden, cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. We're going to walk through this verse by verse and just sort of unpack A couple things that are here. So back to verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. In the first chapter of Genesis, God makes and creates all things, everything that we see around us. And then he says to Adam, you're in charge of all of this. Every plant, every bird, every animal, everything that crawls, crawls along the ground. You are responsible for tending this, carrying this, but you will also rule over everything that I have created. He he gave Adam dominion over his creation. And when Adam and Eve sinned against God, that dominion continued to all living things. Up until this point, animals and created things had only known life. But now God says cursed and entering into every living thing is this death principle and that's the reality for all of us too right like even though we're sitting here alive and you're looking at me and I'm looking at you we're also in the process of dying cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals you will crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life, which is just such a figure of speech for this serpent. What a humiliating consequence to crawl on your belly, to have to eat your prey off of the ground, covered in dust and dirt and muck. And this served as a visible reminder both to Satan and to us about the coming promise in verse 15. Whenever you look at a snake, in other words, I want you to remember this coming promise. And I will put enmity, hostility, active opposition, war, conflict between you and the woman. That there will be two kingdoms now. Because of Satan and because of your choices, these two kingdoms of good at war will constantly be at odds with one another, in continual struggle, in continual conflict. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. We know that Satan is not able to procreate and produce more offspring, but Jesus himself has something very specific to say about Satan's offspring. We're not going to look at it now, but if you're curious, write down John chapter 8, verse 44. Because Jesus has some pretty strong language for the father of some people that he's talking to in comparison to his father. And scripture seems to say that there will be people who will be actively opposed to the living Savior and word of God. And that the offspring of the woman would be those who choose to believe this coming promise. That those two kingdoms would always be at war until the end of all things. And then, what has been plural becomes singular in the next sentence. Up until this point, we've been talking about groups of people. Applying that to all of humanity applying that to all of darkness and all of evil and then God says singular and he declares this promise don't miss this he not plural he will crush your head and you will strike his heel And it's this proclamation that even in the midst of your story of brokenness, Adam and Eve, there is still hope. Because this is my promise to you. He who has a name will crush your head. You will strike his heel. You will deliver a painful blow. It will look like it is fatal. But he will deliver a decapitating blow to you. And it will be final and forever. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This passage screams Jesus and we're going to come back to that in just a second. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Genesis 1:27. So the two become one flesh. And the consequences for that is brokenness, that that one flesh union between husband and wife in perfect relationship to God the Father, this picture of the Trinity, three persons in one relationship together, that that is now broken. And the consequences for that, he will rule over you. And isn't that true when you think about from a historical and a global perspective, and even today, that that is a reality for women. I mean, women are still enslaved to this very day. And even today on earth, there are cultures where men hold the power of life and death over daughters and wives. That that is our world because of the choices that we have made. To Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, And ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, sorrow. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Translation, there will now be pain and suffering because of the choice you made. Life, food, sustenance, sustainability has been easy. Walk up to a tree and eat from it. But that will no longer be the case. From now on, you will experience pain and suffering, not only in your work, but also in your life. Sound familiar? By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. On Thursday, um, I I showed up to church. We have student ministry events on Mondays and Wednesday nights. So Thursday was going to be my day where I sat down at my computer and took everything that uh, some people that I had asked, hey, would you just look at this message with me and just give me questions that come to mind and give me your observations. I had taken all of that. i have been looking at scripture references. And Thursday is the day where I said, okay, I'm going to put all of this down on a piece of paper, not literal paper, but in a document. And Thursday is going to be the day where hopefully, through prayer and power of the Holy Spirit, all of this stuff begins to be organized in some fashion in which you can then listen to and understand. Thursday's the day. <clears throat> so I show, up to, I show up to good news, and I go to my office, and I pull up my computer, and I power it on. You know where this is going, right? Error. You cannot sign into your Microsoft Office account. All of your files are temporarily unacceptable. Here's the curse. This is immediately. Like, this, is, this is Genesis 3 lived out in my life right now. And so <clears throat> I take it to our IT guy who's awesome. His office is down by Target. I, drive, I call him on the phone. Hey, this is happening. I'm speaking on Sunday. Like, are you busy? He said, like, actually... There's nothing happening right now. Bring it down right now." So immediately I jump in the car, drive my computer down there. Open it up for him, power it back on, and the problem repeats itself. This is what he says, huh. (laughs) Never seen this error before, which is exactly what you want your IT guy to say. He's like, if you want to like, you know, run some errands or something, or maybe go to lunch, uh, we can take a look at this problem, and then hopefully we can find a solution, and then, you know, you can come back by and, um, you know, pick it up later. And uh, I got no choice at this point. I'm like, you got a loaner computer? Nope, we don't have a loaner computer. I'm like, well, all my files and stuff are in there anyways. Like, I really, it'd be really helpful to have access to that. And God's good in his, in his mercy and through much prayer. Uh, he, he answered that pr- But talk about sweating. Like, that was my work for the week. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and for, from <clears throat> to dust you will return. The curse in verses 17 through 19 involves four things and, I, and I, would love to, I would love to point these out to you because we're going to come back to these in just a second. Four things. The first is this. Sorrow, thorns, Sweat, death. Sorrow, thorns, sweat, death. Verse 20 is unbelievable. Verse 20 is something that this week that God revealed in my life. Because if you've been tracking with us through Matthew, we read, I forget exactly which chapter it was on Tuesday, but in that chapter of Matthew, we read that God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. So I read this verse in Matthew, and then read this verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, and all of a sudden, something I'd never seen before just immediately leaps out of the page. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all living. Adam named his wife Eve, life, living, because she would become the mother of all living. Even in the midst of this passage in which God is unveiling the consequences of the curse, there's this odd little verse in here that's seemingly out of place. Adam named his wife living. Could have named her death. I don't think that would have gone over so well for Adam. But he names her living because, and we know this because of what happens in 21 and later what Eve will say in chapter 4, but that's next week, so come back. We know this is a direct response to God's proclamation in verse 15. He will crush your head and you will Will strike his heel. And the very fact that Adam says, I am calling you Eve, shows that his faith and trust is in the promise that God has just declared in verse 15. I don't know how this happens, but my wife will be the mother of all living. I don't know if it'll be her kid. I don't know if it'll be a kid in the future, but God, I am going to trust that your word is true. I didn't do that the first time, and look what happened, but from now on, I'm going to trust that your word is true. And God's response in verse 21 is unbelievable. And the Lord, sorry, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. That God's response to Adam's Pronunciation and declaration that his wife would be the mother of all living is to sacrifice an animal. It doesn't say what kind of animal he sacrificed. I got a pretty good guess, but it doesn't say it. God sacrifices, blood is shed, and God covers his people. This whole passage screams Jesus. Adam and Eve did not know this, but because you and I have the New Testament, we have a different context for what we read this morning. Because he who will crush your head has a name, and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is the promised one to come. That Jesus would be the one to take away the curse by actually becoming the curse. So those four words, sorrow, thorns, sweat, death, remind me of Isaiah chapter 53, describing Jesus, for he was a man of sorrows, familiar with our pain and suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces, Psalm 69. While he was on the cross, what was on his head, thorns, Mark chapter 15, the work that he came to do, much more than the cross. I'm not diminishing that by any means, but but have you ever stopped to think, why did Jesus live and walk for 33 years? That not only was his work the cross, but it was also this process of making disciples so that when that work on the cross was finished, generations of people would know it, so much so that the fact that you and I are even in this building is as was a result of what Jesus' work was, that he was in the garden right before going to the cross, described as sweating so profusely that it was like drops of blood. And finally, Jesus climbed on a cross, Because he knew that he was the only solution to our problem. In every sense of the way, in his life and in his death, Jesus literally becomes a curse for you and I. Galatians chapter 3 says it like this. Christ, this is chapter 3 verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law... Here's the curse of the law, Genesis 3, by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You will deliver a painful blow. He will deliver the final blow. Galatians 4, 4, and 5 say it like this. But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, fully God, born of a woman, Eve, the mother of all living, fully man, born under the law in this same state in which we find our world described in Genesis chapter 3, to redeem with the purchase of his blood and sacrifice done on the cross for us, redeem those under the law. Translation, curse. That we might receive adoption. That God would put clothes on us. That God would say, because of your faith in Christ, welcome to my family that you were adopted into the family of God and given the same rights as Jesus to be a part of God's kingdom. That that is the promise. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I don't know how many pages are in your Bible, but there's 1,140 of them in mine. What I'm reading from today is page 3. 3. You know what all 1,137 pages are about from here on out? That. God's plan and promise and work to do just that. How do you get that? Because that's incredible news. I love scripture. It has so many answers and practical applications for our life. The reality is this, for the wages of sin is death. We're seeing that in Genesis 3, that our choices to rebel against God just result in death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but there is not a period at the end of that sentence, there is a comma. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That if you want the curse gone from your life, that if you want adoption back to the one who created you and made all things and wants to walk with you, that that is through Jesus Christ. And here, here's what we do in response. This is Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It's not up on the screen, but just listen to it. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm gonna say it again. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done that? Have you recognized that Have you said to God, I'm living under the curse. Like, I can look around me and see the effects of this. Like, my world matches up with what's written in Scripture. I'm in trouble. I can't do anything to remove a curse from me. And have you believed that Jesus actually becomes the curse for you? 33 years of that culminated by death on a cross. That Jesus becomes the curse and removes the curse for everyone who declares with their mouth that he is Lord and believes in his heart that he is who he says he was and that God has raised him from the dead. That that's the evidence, that there's no body hanging on a cross, that there is just an empty tomb. That's our response to the work of what Jesus does. That just held my Bible down in place. Don't worry about it. 22. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us. Plural. Here's the Trinity again. Saw it in Genesis chapter one when God creates all things. We see it again here in verse 22. Plural, like one of us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons in one knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. I don't know how you read that passage, but I read that as mercy. Yes, it contains a consequence. But I see the mercy of God because God knows that if left in our sin-scarred state with an ability to reach out and take from the tree of life, that that would be tragic. And so in his mercy, he says, I don't want that to happen because I love and I care for these people too much, and I have a plan to remove the curse. So in 23, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. God removes Adam and Eve From the place. And for believers in Christ, we're living in this in between of the now and the not yet, and the promise to come. You know what God's going to do at the end of all things? You know how Revelation describes the new heaven and a new earth? It's a garden, that Jesus is coming back that when he does, the garden will be restored. And those that have put their faith and trust in Christ will walk with God, not just by faith, but also by sight. 24, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What's this about? It's a visible reminder for you, for me, for Adam and Eve at this time, that you cannot reach out and grab hold of salvation on your own. There is no good work that would allow you to have eternal life. So God puts angels and this sword in the midst of the outskirts of this garden As a reminder, to say, you cannot save yourself. Someone has to remove the curse for you. The worship team is um is going to come back out, and uh, as we close, I just the thing I've been praying for all week is that God would send his spirit and open up his word that you would forget me and just look at Jesus and that he would speak and that he would say whatever it is to you that he wants to say. There's a lot of people in here. I um, I have two questions and maybe they're helpful. If they are, great. If not, ignore them. But here are the two questions. As a result of what God is revealing to you, What specifically will you do differently this this week? Or the other question, who needs to hear what God is revealing to you? Maybe you want to jot a note. Maybe you want to put an alert in your calendar or on your phone. I I don't know. I don't know what God might do. But we just want to give you just a few minutes, not a few minutes, 60 seconds, to prayerfully consider what it is that God might have for you. Hey, I would invite and encourage you to take whatever it is that God is doing in your life and take it a small group and share it both as an encouragement with one another because you are not meant to do life alone. Let me send you out with God's blessing. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory majesty power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore amen